0: Welcome to the Factory Youth Podcast. This is a weekly teaching podcast from the Factory Youth at Calvary Chapel, Arrow Beach.
1: All right, how's everybody doing tonight? Yeah. Um, well, welcome to the Factory Youth Talk Show. <laughs> yeah, That's pretty funny, right? Um, well, we're doing things a little different tonight. We are doing a, uh, we call it a question and response rather than a question and answer. Uh, it's a Q&R instead of a Q&A because most of the questions that we're uh, going to try and answer today don't uh, really have just like one uh, answer, but instead we're, we're going to respond to them uh, that you guys all asked uh, via Instagram. And so we have uh, some questions in the queue uh, from Instagram, but then also we have this, uh, this QR code for tonight's Q&R, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And uh, so if you guys want to scan that uh, QR code and maybe you guys have some uh, questions of your own kind of about uh, walking with Jesus or maybe uh, theological questions or doctrine questions or maybe you guys just need some advice about certain situations uh, in your Christian walk. Uh, so scan that and send us in those questions. I'll be able to look at them uh, if we have the time after the questions that we um, have from Instagram. So before we get started, let's turn to our panel of people and uh, introduce yourselves.
2: Let's start on the couch. I'm John. Everybody say hi, John. Hi, John. Hi, Hi, John. I I lead the Junior and Senior Guys group. Good to see you guys. Stoked to be here.
0: I'm I'm Abby. Um, I'm with the Junior and Senior Girls. Also known as DMX's wife. You are co-salt. Yeah.
3: So I'm Hannah, and yeah, I float around. I was mainly junior and senior girls, but now I'm hanging out up in the middle school. But they don't need me up there, so who knows where I'll be next? Nice. But <laughs> everywhere.
4: I'm Nate, and uh, Hi, Nate. I have. Not been leading groups, but I uh, pastor youth ministry here. If you don't know me, hi. <laughs> Love you guys. Also on the QR code, it's going to ask you for like information and stuff, like your name and email and stuff. You don't actually have to put any real names or emails. So if you want to remain anonymous, you have to fill in something, um, but you don't have to use your na- real name and stuff. Just so you know.
1: Cool. And I'm Shane. Yeah, Shane. Yeah. Um, I'm in the middle school boys leader. Let's hear it, middle school boys. I am middle school boys. Yeah, that was pretty solid, actually. (laughs) And uh, I also help out in the worship ministry. But tonight, I will be the host of the Factory Youth Talk Show. Um, So let's get right into it. But before we get to the first question, Nate, do you want to? Say anything about how we're running things tonight
4: or? Um, yes. So basically, um, you're at church. you're at church. Did you know this? Yeah. Cool. So you're at church Woo. and um, for the most of us, most of us here, um, we believe in God. Mm-hmm. Um, we have relationship with God through Jesus. Um, and uh, we believe that the Bible is the written word of God. Um, and so the answers that we're going to be giving, Um, for for the questions are going to stem from the Bible and what we believe God has to say on the different topics and ideas and situations that we find. So, kind of two thoughts on that. One, um, if you don't believe in God, if you don't have a relationship with God, it's very possible that you could disagree with um, some of the answers that we could potentially give. Um, and so, what we want to do is just really invite you in on what the um, what we believe as followers of Jesus, what we believe the Bible teaches, um, and how that impacts and ministers to our life. Um, Secondly, um, if you are a follower of Jesus, we're going to do our best to um, describe to you what we believe. Some of these things that we're going to talk about um, might disrupt um, kind of the cultural worldview that we live in. Um, And so what we're trying to do and what we're trying to frame, we, we like to say that we should always view culture through the lens of the Bible and never view the Bible through the lens of culture. Um, because culture and trends come and go. Um, but the word of God will remain forever. Jesus said that when heaven and earth might pass away. But the word of God shall remain. And so that is the constant. That's the baseline. That's our sort of um, foundation for truth. And so as a follower of Jesus. Maybe some of these things you, you, you don't yet know. Or maybe, in, in, uh, maybe instinctually. Is that a word? Instinctually? Um, you might uh, like disagree with. And so, again, we're inviting you into what the Bible teaches, what the Christian worldview is, what followers of Jesus, how we should live, listen, and obey. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, so that's where we're going to be framing our answers from. Um, we're not getting our answers from Wikipedia or from Twitter. Um, we're going to try to base our answers and our worldview um, on the Word of God. So that's our sort of opening prologue, monologue.
1: Cool. Um, All right, so we've got a bunch of questions that uh, people have sent in on Instagram uh, this week. And we've kind of uh, divided them up into two different categories. So uh, the first category that we're going to be looking at is like theological questions. So questions about uh, maybe specific Bible topics or um, understanding of specific scripture, or having a, a deeper understanding of God himself. And then the second category that we're going to be looking at is personal life slash growth. So that's more of a uh, practical, like ground level, uh, helpful tips and stuff for certain situations in life. Um, but we are going to start with the, the theology section uh, with our our first question, which is uh, on the idea of forgiveness. Um, the 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 Bible talks a lot about Jesus forgiving sins. The Bible says that we are forgiven from past, present, and future sins. Um, but why can't God forgive blasphemy was, was the question written on Instagram.
4: Okay, why, why can't God forgive blasphemy? Now, um, this question is, um, is posed uh, incomplete, Um, Because it's an idea from a passage of scripture that's not fully um, understood. Um, So first I'm going to talk about what blasphemy is. Um, Blasphemy, we see this most clearly in the life of Jesus. Jesus was crucified or put to death because they called, they said that he was um, blaspheming God. Because Jesus made himself equal with God. So basically what blasphemy is, is to reduce the character of God or to lower who God is. It's to say Jesus, what they're accusing Jesus of, is making himself equal with God. They didn't believe that he was God, and so they thought they were reducing the character and the nature of God. Does that make sense? Um, and so blasphemy is, is basically bringing God down. Um, the the reference, why can't God forgive blasphemy, is referencing to Matthew 12, 31, which refers to Jesus saying uh, what what you might uh be referred to as the unpardonable sin um, which is blaspheming the Holy Spirit Um, and Jesus says all these sins will be forgiven except for blaspheming the Holy Spirit that sin will not be forgiven if you speak ill of me that'll be forgiven but if you blaspheme the Holy Spirit you won't be that's the that's the text Um, so the question is um, what is the unpardonable sin essentially um So the main ministry of the Holy Spirit, I'm going to try to be brief, okay, as fast as I can. The main ministry of the Holy Spirit is to testify of Jesus. That's what Jesus said. When the Holy Spirit comes, um, he will testify of me. Um, So the Holy Spirit's primary ministry is to testify of Jesus. To blaspheme the Holy Spirit is ultimately to reject the testimony of Jesus and to ultimately reject Jesus. The reason this is the unpardonable sin is that it's final meaning you've rejected Jesus by the end of your life. Yeah. Okay, so to, um, to reject Jesus is to say, I don't want to have a relationship with him. Um, the Bible says that if we j- reject Jesus and die, we die in our sins. Yeah. And so to, to ask Jesus into our life is to receive forgiveness of sins, to accept the working of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit comes in you. Um, and so to reject Jesus... Is to reject the testimony of the Holy Spirit, which testifies of Jesus, um, and so ultimately it is to die, or to um, yeah, to die without relationship with God through faith in Jesus. So that is the unpardonable sin, and it it really makes sense because it's just logical, right? Like if you live your whole life without Jesus and you die without Jesus, you enter eternity without Jesus. Uh, I'll put it like this. God has made, it a, made a way for everyone to have access and relationship with him, but he's not going to force anybody to do it. Yeah. It's always an invitation. And so to, to reject that is to reject Jesus and ultimately to um, say, I'm going to enter into eternity uh, paying for my own sins rather than having Jesus pay for us. Does that make sense? Yeah. All right. That's great. Check.
1: Check. <laughs> Answer one. Done. Um. Would you like me to just go through, just sequentially? Yeah, I think that's, what do you, yeah, let's just do that. Okay. We'll just move, move through. Cool, so then uh, the next question is. Or we could hop around, we could hop around. Okay, okay. yeah, let's keep going then. Okay, <laughs> sorry, it's my bad, you guys. Factory youth talk show needs a commercial break. <laughs> <laughs> um, so th- this is a question about, uh, <laughs> what, what does the number three symbolize in the Bible?
4: All right, I'm answering this one, too, and then we'll uh, let other people answer. Um, okay, the question is, what does the number three symbolize? Now let me just uh, begin with this. We have to be careful reading too much into numbers. Um, the Bible is spiritual, and it's about our soul, but the Bible isn't mystical. Okay The Bible's spiritual. Um, but it's not mystical. The Bible says what it means, and it means what it says. Okay, and, and in passages of Scripture, when it's clearly metaphor or allegory or poetry, um, it's usually obvious. When the Bible is narrative and it's story and it's history, it's usually obvious. We get the Bible wrong When we go into, like, a um, narrative passage of Scripture, thinking that, okay, what's the hidden meaning? Um, It's not like the Da Vinci Code or, like, where you're like okay it's not like National Treasure you guys remember that movie where you're like there's somewhere in invisible ink behind the Declaration of Independence behind John 3:16, in invisible ink there's something deeper you know the, the Bible it means what it says and it says what it means so we just have to be careful whenever we we look at the scripture to like try to uncover like we're um what's that actor's name from Nash- Nic- Yeah, like we're Nicolas Cage trying to unpack um, what the Bible means. So uh, that's just sort of my preface. Now, the number three, um, there is significance in the Bible. Um, it primarily speaks of harmony. Um, this is seen uh, most clearly uh, in the what we would call the Trinity, um, which is the three persons that make up the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. One God complex in his unity so we believe in one god we're not um uh polytheistic meaning we believe in multiple gods we believe in one god um but within the godhead there's three persons god the father god the son god the spirit can we completely understand and make sense of this no it's god like if we could make sense of god he wouldn't be god he would be a textbook Right, He would be a person that you just like, oh, okay, I figured it out. Um, God is God, so we can't fully understand it. So, but the number three um, sort of symbolizes harmony. You see that in, in, in the Godhead and then also probably in um, the resurrection. So there is a little connection with the number three. Another interesting number in the Bible is seven, which speaks of completion. Um, but other than that, and it's like application, or I guess it's more, it's like information you can know. But it's not going to, like, unlock some deeper revelation of who God is. Does that make sense? It's like the number three. What does it mean? Well, there, it, there's, there, it, there's application of harmony and who God is and things like that. It's, that's not going to change your life. It's just kind of information that you can have. All right. I'm done. Great answer. <laughs> um, I just wanted
1: to answer a quick question that was posed from the QR about the last question that we had. And someone said, uh, if you reject Jesus and want, don't want to have a relationship with him, and then after a while you want to come back, will Jesus forgive you? Yes, he will. It is never too late to uh, enter into relationship with God. You could be on your deathbed, in the last moments we see it, Jesus was being crucified. There's a man who was about to die getting crucified next to him. He said, today you will enter into the kingdom of God with me. So uh, you will be forgiven. It's never too late. But uh, moving on, another numbers question. This is something that I had never even heard of um, so, Abby, could you answer this question and also tell us uh, what this is? Are angel numbers biblical? Okay. So,
0: has anybody heard of angel numbers before? This is this something you guys have heard of before? Okay. So, that really, I hadn't heard of this until last week. Had you guys? Not really. Not really. So, this is a perfect example of how, in our culture, trends come and go. This is not something that I had heard of before but it was something that it seemed to be like my whole small group had heard of before. Um, Now, the thing is, yes, we live 2,000 years after the Bible was written, um, and so oftentimes we think that we can't find answers there. Or sometimes if the answers aren't direct, like, you know, you should not murder, like, okay, I don't need to go and search the scriptures. What does God think about murder? Like, I've got that one, I know. Um, But when it comes to things like this, angel numbers or supernatural things, we oftentimes think we can't find answers there because, you know, it's so old school, like it doesn't relate. But um, the reality is that uh, many things are not directly addressed in the Bible. However, 2 Timothy 3 13 through 17 shows us where to turn for wisdom. It says, evildoers and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. Mm-hmm. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know that those from who you know those from whom you have learned it, and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So, regardless of the of like cultural t- uh, trends or Western civilization or whether we're 2,000 years post Scripture, where should we turn when we have questions? We should turn to the Bible. So angel numbers, if those of you, for those of you who don't know, I had to Google it. Um, <laughs> it's basically like spiritual communication through a sequence of numbers or patterns. So. It's very specific, angel numbers, but what I think this question does is it poses a larger question, which is how do we know? So the question is, are angel numbers biblical, right? The question really then that we will face on a daily basis as a believer is how do we know if something is of God or not? Mm -hmm. So this happens to be the specific question we have, angel numbers. So we should turn to scripture. If you look in your concordance of your Bible, you're not going to find angel numbers. (laughs) Um, So question one, do we see this? Specifically in scripture, the answer is no. We don't find the phrase angel numbers in scripture. Um, But like Nate was saying earlier, um, you know, you can't just read things incorrectly in the Bible. So then if you go to like cherry pick through scripture or if the only bit of Bible that you know is like the daily verse, sometimes out of context, that's going to be confusing. So if you go to look at like what does the Bible say about looking for signs or looking for um, signs and wonders? you're gonna get a few different answers. You're gonna get that Jesus performed miracles and that's yeah. how people were saved, so those wonders were good. And then you're gonna get also that um, Herod was interested in Jesus performing a miracle, but not because he wanted to know Christ, it was because he wanted to see something for himself. He wanted right. a, a magical experience for himself. And then you're gonna find Jesus rebuking, um, again, John 4:48, like Ava said earlier, And he's saying, you're not even going to believe unless you see signs and wonders, right? And so you're going to get a lot of different answers. So if you go looking and cherry picking, you're not going to find an answer about whether or not something is of God or not. So the next thing we can ask ourselves is, uh, what are my motives? Where is the origin of this thought? Where is this leading? Um, Is this self-motivated? Is this deceitful? Or is it of Christ? So, I have some scripture here. Does it promote Christ or does it lead us astray? So, 1 John 4, 1 through 6. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, but every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God, and whoever knows God listens to us, but whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. So most of you guys, I'm sure, know John 10.10. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, and he'll use anything. He will use scripture that you don't know or that you haven't really studied or have cherry picked through the Bible to deceive us. He'll use things and um, people who seem okay-ish or like uh, seem like, okay, that seems mild. I don't think that can really hurt me to ha- trick us into thinking that something is biblical for the purpose of leading us astray. So when we come to things that are not of Christ, Satan's not gonna send a sorcerer to your door. He's gonna send something that looks, eh, okay, doesn't seem hurtful. Um, So, the thing about us is we have, do any of us have an actual Bible up here? No. 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 (laughs) So, we have the Bible. We have access to the Bible, and yet we as believers so often rely on human error and logic more than the actual word of the Lord that we have. Mm. So, if we're we're like, then how am I going to know if something's of God or not? Like, do I need to carry the Bible around with me all the time? The more we hear it, the more we recognize it. Um, Psalm 119.11 says, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. So we need to tuck it into our heart and it becomes our gut instinct. Like I said, we're going to face situations every day, questions or people, falsehoods about Christ, and we need to know. We need to know we know. We don't need to have to go search through scriptures to know. We need Christ to be our gut instinct. And we're going to know that by hiding his word in our heart. So the funny thing is my first reaction when I heard angel numbers was like this passage in Deuteronomy that I had heard the week prior. And this is like, this is what like 13 years of marriage looks like. I sent him a text one morning. I was doing my quiet time and I was reading through Deuteronomy and I was like, hey, love you, hope you have a good day at work. And then I like sent him this passage from Deuteronomy. So romantic, right? (laughs) But I had, something about that had, And so when I heard angel numbers, I thought, okay, this, I can recall something about this. Mind you, I didn't have this memorized. We don't have to memorize scripture, Mm -hmm. um, every word of the Bible, but we do have to be familiar with it. So I remembered that there was something in Deuteronomy 13. If a prophet or one who foretells by dreams appears among you and announces to you a sign or wonder, and if the sign or wonder spoken of takes place and the prophet says, let us follow other gods and let us worship them, you must not listen to the words of that prophet. The Lord your God is testing you to find whether you love him with all your heart and all your soul. It is the Lord your God, you must follow and obey him and revere. Keep his commands and obey him. Serve him and fo- hold fast to him. That prophet or dreamer must be put to death for inciting rebellion against the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt and redeemed you from the land of slavery. That dreamer tried to turn you from the way the Lord your God commanded you to follow. Hmm. So, um, sorry, I know I'm like going over, but I'm not going to (laughs) stop. So so if you were to look up angel numbers, you're going to find things that use words like um, open your mind and things like that. And it's directly connected to things like astrology and tarot cards. And so as Christians, we need to know immediately to reject things like that because we need to know that scripture teaches that that is wrong. Mm -hmm. So uh, the enemy prowls around like a lion seeking to devour. He's the father of lies, and he's going to tempt you with things that sound Neutral. We need to be on guard against human error. And I'm going to say one last thing. Um, I say this to my girls all the time, so you guys are probably sick of hearing it, but I'm not going to stop because I think that this is a really important time for you guys to know this. We will never know what the Bible says if we only know what other people
3: say about it. Come on. You need to know this for
1: yourself. So, okay? yeah. Come on. so good. So good. So good. Amen. Yeah, that's, that's super powerful. Just uh, the idea that, that there's this supernatural kind of element of God, that God is working and God is spiritual, but um, the Apostle Paul writes a, a, a lot about um, kind of the spiritual battle that's happening to where God is working in, in the supernatural, but there's also something, and I love what you, you said just about discernment, and the way that we can discern whether this is God working or, or something else, or maybe it's just myself, just thinking and, and remembering numbers that I don't, and, um, and that we need to discern uh, between those things. And the way we do that is, is through Scripture. That's, that's really good. Now, uh, moving on to the next question. Uh, speaking of the supernatural and, and the spiritual elements of, of walking with Jesus, um, are visions and seeing God real? Uh, if so, does everyone have them? Hannah, would you like to answer that one?
3: Yes. Yes. Yes, I would. Um, so in just like quick, short answer, yes, visions are real and people um, can have spiritual visions that God allows them to experience, Acts chapter 2 verse 17, which we just have been going through, Acts says, and in the last days it shall be, and the last days that it's saying here is any time after Jesus came to earth before he comes back again to establish his kingdom. So it was 200 years ago, and it's also today is the last days that are being discussed here. Um, So, in those days, so now, it shall be, God declares that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. So, essentially, this is just talking about the church, because that's what Acts is um, talking about, is the establishment of the church and the way the church is going to look going forward, and... Essentially, an aspect of the church is that there will be people who are experiencing this particular, like, gifting or, like, unlocking of an experience through the Holy Spirit, and that is to see visions. Um, so, that's sh- quick, short answer on that. And then to go on to the second part, which is, does everyone experience this? That's no. Not everyone will. We read throughout Scripture about the different ways that the Holy Spirit is active or manifested within our lives and the way we're living and um, the gifts that the Spirit will give us. And some of us might have gifts that we experience time and time again and we know like this is my gift of the Spirit and this is like a way I experience the Holy Spirit. And then some of us it's just different times call for different giftings, we might experience uh, different aspects of the Spirit throughout our life. And so in, um, so in short, like not all of us will experience visions, but all of us as believers will experience the work of the Spirit in our lives in some way. 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12 verses 4 through 6 reads, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. So essentially, we're not all meant to experience all the exact same aspects and workings of the Holy Spirit, uh, because that doesn't build the community that God wants built in the church. He wants everyone to be filling different roles and to be part of building the church and spreading the gospel and um, showing Christ's love to the world and um, just to our communities, to the people we know, and that requires us not all looking exactly the same and us all not having the exact same experiences Of the Holy Spirit. So, if you're like feeling like you haven't experienced God fully because you've never experienced having a vision, that's not all of us will have that experience, or some of us might have it once and then never again. And um, I know I've had certain experiences once or twice, and sometimes I think like, man, it's it's been a while since I've had an experience like that um, with the Holy Spirit. But that's just because. He's giving us all what we need in the moment and what we need for the work that's being accomplished. So it's, um, I read something actually uh, just today on Instagram from the church I grew up in where they were talking about the gifts of the spirit and it just said the phrase, which I just thought was really good, that um, all the spirit or all the works of the spirit are being accomplished within the church and it said by a community for a community And that's what the spirit wants to do is just build up his people. So it's going to look different for everyone.
4: That's good. And if I could just uh, add that I've never had a vision or a um, revelation of the spirit like that. Um, The spirit's work in my life has been through a process, not through a um, sort of like moment, if that makes sense. It's It's been gradual as God's worked, um, his spirit's worked in me. And so I would say sometimes the spirit works like Saul on the road to Damascus where like God shows up and there's just this dramatic moment. Um, but sometimes God works through a process like Peter going from uh, a disciple that denied Jesus to a disciple that stood up boldly for Jesus. And so the spirit works differently in each person's life.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That reminds me of like testimonies that you hear, of, like people who have total, like, dramatic encounters with the Lord, you know, and some of us who haven't had those dramatic encounters, it may feel like it's hard for us to relate, like, we have, like, some simple story, or we haven't had, like, this grand vision, or God hasn't spoken to us clear as day, like, in an audible voice, like, John, turn left here, you know, so don't limit what God's doing in your life daily compared to what you see with somebody else's life.
1: So good. Um, So we are wrapping up this first uh, section of theological questions. Um, It was fantastic. Thank you guys so much. Um, Before we move on, I just want to answer two quick questions from uh, the QR code. Someone asked, uh, what is it? called, if you kind of know something about someone, like like the Spirit kind of told you something about someone, uh, it's called word of knowledge. The Bible talks about it um, and how you go about doing it, and uh, it's for the edification of the other person. It's all about the other person. So, if you ever feel like God just revealed something to you about someone else, um, it's for edification or correction, whatever the case, one-on-one conversation with the other person. Uh, Do you want to say something? I'm just going to interrupt. Wagi, could you get batteries for this mic? It's about to die. Thank you. Sorry. Thank you, Wagi. And then second one, someone asked, what is a a beginner Bible reading plan? Um, And uh, Abby talked about reading the Bible and Scripture. So I would say start uh, in in Philippians or start in Ephesians or if you want to read about Jesus, start in the book of, uh, I would say, Mark for gospel, um, and just get in, start in chapter one, and read until chapter the last chapter of the book is done, and
4: you can break it up however you'd like throughout your week. Also, our CCVB app Calvary Chapel Vero Beach has an app, um, and we have a Through the Bible in a Year plan. It's really simple. You do two chapters of the Old Testament, one chapter of the New Testament per day, so it's three chapters. Um, I'm currently doing just the New Testament plan, so you, I'm reading one chapter of the New Testament a day. Super simple. It's right there in the app, daily reading, so CCVB app. Shout out.
1: There was our commercial break. <laughs> so... Um, here is a kind of a, a personal growth uh, question is, is where we're going into uh, personal life and growth. Uh, hopefully a bit more practical. We can leave this place and apply the, the answers to these questions. Um, how do you, this, this one's for you, John, kind of, we're not leaving you out. Uh, how do you listen for God's voice? It often feels like my own voice that I'm hearing. How do you listen to God's voice?
2: This is a really good question. Um, I actually... Wrestled with this for a, a, a while, and my daughter Bella can attest. I was in the backyard talking to myself for like a half hour, but like, um, I had written like this whole thing uh, about my experience with hearing the Lord's voice and what I wanted to say. And I was like, man, it's just not—it's not clicking. So I stopped, and I listened for the Lord's voice. <laughs> and I was like, Lord, how are you leading me to answer this question tonight? And so He, he really put something on my heart that I'm excited to share. Um, and I would say, first of all, even as an adult, uh, I could totally relate. Mm-hmm. Often when it comes to big decisions in life in high school, like college, a boyfriend or a girlfriend, uh, friends, buying a car or buying a home, or marriage as an adult, uh, we go to God looking for direction because we don't know what to do. We don't know what God's telling us. Can anyone relate? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, totally. Um, am I hearing his direction or my desire? is what I desire what the Lord desires. As we get to know and trust God more, I believe we're able to understand his direction more clearly. Um, one of the first ways we hear the Lord's voice is by receiving Jesus as our personal Savior. Right? you got to start there, square one. Romans 10:17 says, Faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. If you've made a decision to accept Jesus as your personal Savior, then guess what? You've heard God's voice loud and clear. Whatever the scenario was in which you were saved, you heard Jesus say, I love you, I forgive you, and I want to transform you. Faith was produced in you by hearing, and you chose to receive him. So, to reiterate, if you're a Christian, you've received the Holy Spirit, and you're now able to hear God's voice in your life. And now that we've received the Holy Spirit, how do we consistently hear God's voice? Reading God's word, listening to worship music, surrounding myself with Christian friends and influences all help me hear his voice more clear. Don't ever discount the wisdom of a Christian leader or mentor as well. Many big decisions in my life were greatly influenced from people I looked up to spiritually. But now, all of these things, Bible, worship, friends, mentors, they're good and true, but they all tie into the biggest way we hear God's voice, and that's time with Him. Being a father to four children, I've been told by multiple veteran parents the most important thing you can give a child is time. You see, children spell love T I M E. When you sacrifice your own desires and plans in order to spend time with someone, That's called building relationship, right? So God's a relational God who created us to spend time with him. How much time are we truly spending with the Lord? The more time we spend with God, the more we can learn to trust him and trust his voice. And over time, we'll hear him louder and louder, right? So lastly, I'd ask, how often are we aware of him moment by moment, day by day? Do we approach God only when there's big decisions to be made? Or are we spending time with him daily, engaging in prayer and seeking how he's leading us? Whether we realize it or not, guys, Jesus speaks to us every day. If you have Christ, he speaks to you every day through the Holy Spirit. And you make decisions based on his voice. Ephesians 2.10 says, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. In advance is key there because if God's prepared things for us in advance each day, that means God plans on speaking to us each day. The last scripture I'll share is in John uh, chapter 10. Jesus said, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. The more we choose daily to walk with God, the more aware we are as of his voice in our lives.
1: Oh. So good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's incredible. Come on. Um, yeah, it reminds me of the, the, the psalm that was written that says, delight in, in the presence of God. He gives you the desires of your heart. And uh, the, the focus of that verse is delighting in the presence of God. We need to uh, desire to delight in God's presence and allow um, His voice to be to be the loudest voice uh, in our minds. And um, sometimes we take for granted the voice of God that is found in Scripture. We have thousands of pages of the Word of God, and, and we sometimes neglect that, trying to hear God's voice somewhere else uh, outside of His Word. So we need a, a desire to delight in the Word of God. That was so good, John. Thank you. Uh, now we're going to go on to a subcategory of relationships, Woo-hoo. How, how, Hannah, how do you know if you love someone?
3: Um, this just made me think of Enchanted, the movie, where they're like, how does he know that you love him? That one? No? You guys know? Okay, sorry. Yeah, okay, thank you. Um, that's what I just thought of. Um, okay, so I'm like, in this question, you kind of you got to back it up first because um, you don't even want to be going there if it's not like a person worth even thinking about am I in love with them question, you know? Um, so I would start, uh, the Bible says, and we went over this passage a few series ago, but do not awaken love before it's time in that just like don't, start something if it's not the right person or the right time. um, More so than just, like, like, just very practically. Like, it doesn't have to be this big, deep, like, spiritual meaning. Just, like, very practically, like, don't start that. Don't even begin going there if it's not the right person. So you want to just, like, check on some things before you start getting into going that direction. So one, like, is it someone that's like-minded with you spiritually and that you guys want to glorify God together and and separately? Like, you you have your own relationship with Christ and you have your own um, calling and just things you're walking in that you feel God has called you to, and you're confident in that and you're moving forward in that and that you're not looking for um, love or relationship with someone who's blatantly trying to pull you away from that or the opposite of the things you stand for so you should just start there and then just a question of like how do you know if you're like you love you're in love with someone I think sometimes you just like I don't know don't know till it's like happening I think when Christians especially try to give you this like three-step process and how you know you're in love, they can, like, get things wrong sometimes and, like, not leave, like, room for, like, we were talking about just, like, hearing the voice of God. There's just a peace that exists when you're walking in God's will and walking in God's plan, and not that you still won't, like, wrestle with, like, should I, like, be continuing to take the next steps with this person or thinking about, like, a future together with someone, um... Love is, uh, really, you see like it's a decision. It's something you're gonna build upon. It's something that, um, it's not just like this emotion. If you're just feeling like emotions and this like sense of, you have to kind of step away from things, especially when they're starting or you're starting to like entertain being with someone and be like, okay, is this like healthy for my spiritual relationship? Is this healthy for me just like mentally? Um, to be, like, entering this place. And then if you're, like, asking this, I mean, I don't know who asks this, but if you're, like, asking it from a, like, I'm in a relationship with someone, and I feel like maybe I love them, and, like, do I love them? um, I mean, really, it's if you're with the right person, and you guys both have, like, godly goals and um, standards, and you want to serve God on your own, and think maybe, like, together, you could um, serve God in new ways, or uh, just experience life together, um, and you want to grow together, Uh, you, you might be in love, you might not be, I don't know, like, not to make it complicated, but there are just things you have to look for, and the key is that You're two people who love God, want to serve God, and want to walk in his commandments and have the same standards, have the same priorities, and you're thinking, maybe I could go through life and um, grow with this person and just, yeah, do it together. So I don't know that that super answers the question, but just before you go there, just check who you're thinking of going there with. And then if you are there, just keep serving God and watch as his voice will just guide you to where you're meant to be. If it's with that person or uh, without them, he usually makes it pretty clear. Yeah.
4: And uh, like Hannah said, love is is not a feeling. Um, It sometimes shows itself in feeling. Like, man, I I just feel a sense of love. Um, Love is also not just an action. Like love is not just sex or love is not just something like that right? Um, um, so it's, it's, it's deeper than that. It's, it's something that you build upon. It's something that you're choosing. Like, I'm going to build a life with this person. Yeah. And I think as Christians, it, it, we should be thinking like, well, you, your decision should be long-term, right? Because it's, am I going to choose to build a life with somebody um, for the rest of my life? It's not just a moment. Right, love is not just a moment. It's some. It's like a long-term um, decision making and choosing to give myself to that person. Um, so you, at least for me um, and Hannah, we we would say like there wasn't like this. Like, I knew like love at first whatever, and I just knew like I remember we were dating for a long time, and I was processing like I think I want to marry her, um, but like I don't know, like is this is she the right person like. I don't know. Like there was just not, I there was just no, I'm very indecisive and I just am like overthink. And so I just, I'm like, I don't know. And somebody gave me advice and was just like, well, do you like, can you see not even just yourself with this person, but do you enjoy the decision-making? Do you enjoy the process? Do you enjoy like that kind of stuff? And for me, it was like, yeah, I do all of, I, I like that. And so like, okay, you, you can build upon that. And we sort of here we are build, building a life together.
1: Yeah, that's that's so good. Je- Jesus would say, talking about love, he says, there's no greater love than this than a man who lays down his life for a friend. Now, Jesus is obviously speaking of himself who's going to go to the cross and lay his life down, but also it, it shows that love is not necessarily just about you, but it's about that person that you're loving. It's about laying yourself down down for the sake of the other person. So, if you're in a relationship with someone and you don't care to do that, then you're probably not in love with the person. Um, but those that answer was so good. Thank you, guys. Um, can I rapid fire a couple of these quick
4: questions that came in? Yes, please do. One is, can you be in love more than once? Yes. Um, I think, but like Hannah said, um, we should be careful with who we give our love away to. And so, if it's if it's, um, like, you gave yourself in love to the wrong person or something happened to that person, um, yes, you can be in love more than once. And then the second one was um, best way to get over a breakup based on what the Bible says. If I, I, I don't want to go, like, in detail on this. I would say create space. Um, don't text each other late at night. Like, I think... You know what I mean? Like you're like all in your fields. You're listening to like Olivia Rodriguez or whatever. That hit
2: really hard. That hit really hard.
4: And you're like, oh, maybe I should text them. It's like just create space. Don't text them.
3: Maybe mute them. Yeah, on don't. Instagram. Yeah, don't scroll on their
4: Instagram. S- surround yourself with with good friends, right? Um, and and don't isolate yourself. Okay, if you're going through a breakup, don't isolate yourself. One of the things that's so dangerous, we're going to get into this more in a second, but this gets me fired up, sorry. One of the things that's so dangerous about um, high school relationships is you seclude yourself with just you and that person. You isolate yourself from your group of friends. Um, And uh, so then what happens is you break up, you've isolated yourself from your group of friends, and now you're just alone. And so it's easy for you to go like, well, I'll just... Text that person again because it's them or nobody. And so it's so important when you're in a relationship to not isolate yourself. Stay with your friends. If they don't treat your friends right, don't hang out with them, like all of that kind of stuff. Um, And so keep yourself present with people, and then if, if you are going through a breakup, don't be isolated. Stay with your group of friends. And if that means going back to your friends and being like, I'm sorry, I was a jerk when I was in a relationship with them. Would you forgive me? Can I please come back? You might have to do that. You know what I'm saying? And if, you're, if your friend comes to you and says that, be quick to forgive and be like, I'm sorry. Yeah, you were just lost and confused. Welcome back. No, I'm just kidding. Does that make sense? Okay. Yeah. That was, hopefully that was fast enough. Amazing. Now, uh,
1: along those lines, uh, John and Abby, if you could answer this one, uh, what are some boundaries or or rules or kind of uh, guardrails that you should put on your dating relationship when you're in high school?
0: Okay, so we got these questions from Nate earlier this afternoon, and I was like, oh, I can do this one, this one, this one, this one, this one. I don't want to do the high school dating yeah. And then John was like, I guess I'll do that one, and then I'm married to him, so now I'm doing it. But here's the thing. The reason that, like, it's so cringe for me to go back to this is because we dated, like, ten times. Like, no lie. I'm so glad there was no social media then. Like, excuse me, will I dust all of the dust off from the cave I just crawled out of? But there was no, like, Instagram to follow. Like, we had unfollowed, followed, unfollowed, followed so many times. We were such a mess. Um, So, looking back on that, like, the foundation of our relationship was not Christ-centered. We were Christians, but it was very feelings-based, like you're saying. Um, And so, because of that, you know, we could have saved ourselves a lot of heartache and, you know, things that we process, even still to this day. Like, we still process things from just weird foundations that we started our relationship on. Um, But going back and thinking, if I could have... Told myself a couple of things when we were dating. Um, Number one, it's never too early or too late to set boundaries. You've never missed the moment. Like, if you are deep in a relationship right now and you feel like the Lord is asking you to set boundaries, good for you. Do it. Mm -hmm. Um, It's also never too early. It's a great time if you're not in a relationship to start seeking the Lord's will for your life and to start asking Him to show you. Um, the boundaries that you're going to hold to. So we have solid boundaries laid out in scripture. As Hannah said, like don't awaken love too early. We know we shouldn't be yoked to unbelievers. We also have to seek the Lord um, to establish additional boundaries, some that may be a temptation to you that might not be something for someone else. I think the reason we want straight up like the Ten Commandments of dating is because we don't trust ourselves. Um, and so we want somebody to lay it out for us well the person who's going to do that is the Lord Mm -hmm. and so we need to be seeking that and and then uh, so then the second thing I would have said to myself is to continue to seek the Lord in the relationship because it can be so all-consuming when you do fall in love with somebody and that will replace any desire to um, seek the Lord sometimes and so We need to remember that our first love is Christ and not forsake that. Um, And continuing to seek the Lord will bless you with wisdom and direction as the relationship develops. Mm -hmm. And then the third thing is accountability. The thing that stands out so clearly to me from when I was dating in high school is I wish I had been protected by somebody. I wish that somebody was seeking my best interests and helping lay the path for me. Mm -hmm. Um, So if you have God-fearing parents, who are setting dating rules for you. That is a blessing. It can feel like a curse. It's such a blessing. Um, and then in that case, the only thing that you need to know is honor your mom and dad. They they've set they they love you. They want the best for you. They've walked this path and they have set boundaries for you. If you don't have that, if you, you know, I I lived in a Christian home. It was a very dis- distracting season for my parents when I was in high school and so I I kind of, you know, I was misindependent, and they trusted me, and I didn't have somebody laying that foundation for me. So wisdom would have said that I sought that out. Seek mm-hmm. accountability from people who are wise, people who are ahead of you, um, you know, people in an age, people who um, who want the best for you, and continue to seek that accountability so that our tendency, as we get once shame is introduced into a relationship, or once um, we We know our desires don't align with the Lord's. We start to pull away from our Christian friends. We start to maybe not show up on Thursday nights because we don't want to hear something that's going to rub us the wrong way. Uh, If you have sought accountability and you've told this person that you want them to keep you accountable in your relationship, they're going to come after you. And so that's a good guardrail to establish for yourself uh, because our tendency is to pull away. Um, And so just protect yourself from that. Um, You know, you are God's Son and daughter, and if your parents aren't establishing that for you, um, he wants that for you. Yeah. And so, just trust that he loves you enough to help give you the wisdom to establish good boundaries and to put the right people in your life who are going to edify and encourage you in your relationship.
3: Yeah.
2: Amen. Yeah, so the good. Only thing I'll just add is uh, if you enter into a relationship and you don't already have boundaries and standards in place before you enter into that relationship you're an open door for being misled like hands down and that's how it was i was a baby christian when we started dating and i was not established in my relationship with the lord um which is another thing i'll add if if you feel that you're not ready to be in a relationship because the lord wants to build a deeper one with you and you've already gotten your answer yeah you know um I feel that if you're caught up in your relationship with the Lord, then it's not going to be like some miraculous thing where a woman walks in or this girl walks in and her hair blows. You're like, oh, my gosh, that's my wife. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? It may, but that's not everybody's experience. You know, so if you're caught up in the Lord and what he's doing in your life and how he's refining and sanctifying you, uh, he'll lead you to the right person.
4: Cool. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say one last thing and then we're going to be done.
1: Be, can I say one yeah. last thing? Sorry. <laughs> I just wanted to say something about that question. I'm going to just give off some. Julianne and I started dating when we were freshmen, in, or when I was a freshman in high school. We were 14. We dated all through high school. We're married and we have a child now. And <laughs> yeah.
4: <laughs> yes.
1: Just really quick, I want to give you guys kind of our keys to success, boundaries-wise. Our phones, my phone was away at 10 p.m. My dad forced me to do it. We didn't go on a one-on-one date uh, until we had been dating for about a year. Uh, We just hung out with friends. We were going to church. We were going to the movies. We were going to the mall or whatever uh, with friends. Uh, It's because I was 14. I, I couldn't drive, but it was helpful. Um, once we could drive, we didn't hang out at the our parents' house who weren't home. Okay, we didn't go to the to the house where no parents. We went to the house with parents. No hanging out in the bedroom. We hung out in the living room. The TV in the living room. Um, and also, we, uh, we went days without talking to each other sometimes. We didn't constantly communicate for the That's sake so of investing in ourselves and in our own walk with Jesus and our own life and our own health. And it wasn't Shane and Julianne. It was Shane and Julianne. So just rapid fire that. Your guys' answer was fantastic. I just wanted to throw those uh, practical things out.
4: Uh, so, Nate. All right, I'm going to close us. All right, I'm going to shut this thing down by one answering uh, kind of one more question. Um, and I think our our, our our culture is obsessed with um, love and relationships, and so it's easy for our sort of mindset to become like that. Um, not everybody, uh, I, one, has to be in a relationship or is called to be in a relationship. Um, a couple big examples of people that were single for their life, the Apostle Paul— um, and Jesus Himself, um, and so like relationships, life, that things like that is not um, for everybody. So one, if you're feeling like maybe that's not me, that's totally okay. Okay, you're like I don't, I really don't feel like that's going to be my future in my life. That's awesome. Um, Paul would actually say it's better um, to remain single the apostle paul he says if you can handle if you can keep control over your body it's better for you to be single um and then uh so it's not have to but and for some of you you might have that desire like i wish i could um have a relationship and it just never works out um that's fine too Han- hannah will laugh at you no i not <laughs> <laughs> it
3: wasn't like that. It was just the way you said it. You're um, just a funny guy. I'm just
4: a funny guy. But, uh, like, we have, a f- we have a friend that um, she, I think if she could, would get married. And she uh, hasn't. And she's 40-something.
3: She's like
1: 30-something. 30-something. <laughs> um, I'm telling her you said that. No,
4: please don't. Um, but and She's uh, the bomb. She is the bomb. God's using her in crazy ways. So, yeah. um, uh, actually, I'm going to just say her name. and Say t- her name. Her name's Sarah Yardley. You should follow her on Instagram. Yeah, you should. Okay, Sarah Yardley. She just wrote a book, too. She She just just wrote wrote a book. book. She's a legend. Sarah Yardley. She's awesome.
3: Don't get... You don't have to get married.
4: Yeah. Um, Okay. Hey, let me just say this as we close. We love you guys. There's a lot of good questions that we didn't answer. um, And uh, maybe we will do this again sometime soon. um, Or ask your group leader they're around. They would love to answer any questions that maybe you submitted and you'd like to um, follow up with um, or come ask us. We'd love to answer them as well. Um, Great questions. I'm really proud of you. Um, Those were thoughtful, sincere questions, and they weren't the stereotypical uh, question and answer uh, questions, so really great job. Keep following Jesus. Keep asking good questions. The answers are there and God wants to give them to you. All right. Um, Let's all stand together.